This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. It is the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark, joined by a lot of people for our Super Bowl preview podcast. Right now, I'm with Nora Princiati at Radio Row. The week is basically over. All there is left is the game. Hi, Nora. Hi, Kevin. Uh, it's We're at an incredibly desolate and somewhat depressing Radio Row right now. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, we've got each other, Kevin. Regina's here. Isaiah's here. We're all just sitting around. That's it. I don't think there's an active NFL player within 10 miles of here. Russell Wilson was here recently, though. I'm not going to name names of who's still here. Um, Russell Wilson was here just a few moments ago. He did slow news day. You can probably check that out online. Um, here's what we're doing. It is a megapod filled with all of the people we talked to this week. The hosts will change. Um, basically, everyone who's touched a, a microphone this year for the Ring NFL show is going to be involved. Myself, Nora, Ben Solak, Stephen Ruiz, Ryan Chazier, Jason Goff, Kalen Jones, and the players we have. All-star lineup. Mike Evans, Vernon Davis, Matt Ryan, Najee Harris, Zach Ertz, Cameron Hayward, Max Crosby, Kayvon Thibodeau, DK Metcalf. Ever heard of them? I have. Wonderful. Um, so it's just going to be a bunch of different hosts. It's going to be really fun. I've been on a bunch of them. The energy was awesome. Really, really cool insights from a lot of people. And DK Metcalf, Nora, saying he wasn't going to watch the Super Bowl and said we'll watch Euphoria. Yeah. A lot of, lot of. That was lot different of, from everything it was a else. Different, it was a different kind of. That vibe was a di- from DK. different. DK had a different interview than the other guys. That's um, true. So let's get to it. All right, Mike Evans, one of the best receivers in football, is here on behalf of Planters. Uh, Mike, we're asking everybody the same first question: How's this game going to go on Sunday? I don't know. I'm not a. I can't tell the future. <laughs> I, I wish that we were in the game. Is what I really wish. But I, I mean. I got friends on both teams, but um, so I don't really care who wins. But if I had to choose, I'll give the edge to the Rams. Pass rush. The pass rush is crazy. Uh, Mike, you had 20 years, right, of playing football, young, playing in college, playing in the NFL, to watch Tom Brady in New England, and then all of a sudden he lands in Tampa Bay. You had him for two years, and he's retired now. The thing that I wonder is, with all of the expectations you had for Brady watching him in New England, what surprised you the most about Brady over your two years with him in Tampa? On the field, off the field, in the locker room, what was most different from your expectations from him? I mean, I expected greatness. I mean, he's the greatest player of all time, and it's the reason why. And he definitely showed us that. Um, I was shocked at how good he was at social media. but 
Oh yeah, that see that that did feel new. It, it came out though that you know he just came out after he retired that that was his uh, social team that did a unbelievable job. So, do you have a social team? Are you? It's just all you. It's just me. Yeah, it's just me. I'm not big on social media. I like it. You know, I grew up like in the heart of it. You know, Facebook and then Twitter, Instagram. So Mike Evans does not need a ghostwriter. You heard that here. First. No, I don't. I don't. Not yet, at least. So when when Brady did show up. How much did Bruce Bruce's offense change going from Jameis to Tom Brady? Did he bring his own stuff from New England, or was it mostly the same offense? Over time, he he implemented it. So he Tom wanted to learn the offense first, and then him and BA and Byron they had a great relationship to where he got to put some stuff in that he liked, and it definitely helped our offense out a lot. When would you say that happened? Like middle of last year, around towards the yeah game? towards like the end of last year. I want to ask because we have now in the Super Bowl, we got like elite jump ball receivers. We had Jamar Chase on one side. We have T. Higgins. Like Odell's crazy in the air. And that jump ball, that back shoulder throw is a lot about chemistry and about timing. And you've been crazy with that for your entire career. You had a new quarterback. So I'm curious what really makes a good jump ball receiver and what makes a good jump ball connection? How do you develop that with that quarterback? Like how does that skill get to the point where you really can rely on it in the key third down spots how do you develop it well obviously it um it starts with it helps if like the receiver can catch uh can jump a little bit and it helps if the quarterback has a great arm talent um joe burrow has is unbelievable at the back shoulder and jump ball throws so is matt stafford tom as well but um it definitely takes reps you got to get the reps in uh, you get the reps in it gets easier if you're even with a guy, the quarterback knows how you like it. So I think Jamar Chase, when he's even with somebody, Burrow's throwing that to his, his outside shoulder every time, like perfect. And then if the guy's over top of you, that's when the back shoulder comes into play most of the time. And uh, I think Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase have perfected that since college. Is it tough to get that read correct, like when he's stacked on top of you, when he's on your back shoulder? Or is it just we've been doing this for long enough, we know what it looks like, and we can install it right away? It, it, yeah, it, it, it comes with reps. It, it can be hard if you're not familiar with a guy and, and where, you know, the guy likes to throw the ball or where the receiver wants to catch it. But, you know, those guys have done an unbelievable job at it. How long do you think it took you to, like, work up that rapport with Brady? You think it happened early on last season or did it take a little bit longer than that? Uh, me and him are, 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 you know, one of the best in our position. So it was, it was quick. And we got a lot of work in before, you know, we got to the field. So, you know, we threw a lot with each other. We talked talk through it. And uh, it definitely helped our, our chemistry. You guys had a, a couple of injuries towards the end of the year. You lost Godwin, and then obviously A.B. left. I'm wondering, did defenses adjust to you? Were you seeing different coverages? Were you seeing more attention from safeties and stuff like that after those injuries, or was it more of the same? It's the same. I mean, I've always been the guy that, you know, gets the more, the more of the double teams, the, the cloud coverage. And that's how it's been since, I'll say, the middle of my second year in the league, 2015. It's been like that, but... No, that's what comes with the territory. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, you had a deal with Ramsey, too, which is never fun. It's always a good matchup. It's exciting, right? But it is Ramsey, and now we're seeing him up against Jamar Chase. How do you prepare for expecting a play like an elite corner? Like, are you watching reps of him against receivers that are of similar styles? Are you, like, talking with coaches about how you're going to move around the formation? How you played in the slot more this year? Like, what goes into preparing for an elite guy on the other side like Ramsey? I mean, definitely take some film work. Uh, you want to work some things in practice that you think that you can, you know, get, get on the DB that you're going against. Um, I don't watch as much film as I used to, honestly. I just need yeah. to see how they press and how they play off. And that's all I need to see a few clips. I don't really need to see much anymore. But, um, 
it's a mindset thing. You got to be ready. You're playing against one of the best. They're not going to take it easy on you, and you, you got to give it your best if you want to be successful. What kind of coverages would you rather see? Would you rather get manned up on, get press, press man, coverage? I love press man, no safety help. No safety That's what I love. Mike just basically said, I'm better than the other guy. It doesn't matter who he is. That's all I want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great corners, but it's tough to guard a, a real deal number one wide receiver with no safety help. Like the Revis style, like I wish Revis was still in the league so I can challenge myself against a guy like that. So who is the best corner you've played against? It's, a, it's, it's hard to pick one, but I would say, you know, Ramsey's a really great corner, um, he, but he can play nickel as well. That's what makes him so great. He's so versatile. Um, uh, Marshawn Lattimore is really good, real physical dog. Um, love those matchups with him. Bradbury, me and him have had a history of going at it. Xavier Howard finds the ball. Trevon Diggs had a really great year this year. It's a lot of great corners. I, it's hard to pick the one guy though right now. It really is. So do you like those overly physical corners, like playing against them, or would you rather go against like a smaller, more finesse guy? I, I forgot to mention my guy, Carlton Davis, but I'd rather go against a guy who plays uh, a lot of one-on-one with minimal help, no matter if they're big or small. How do you expect the uh, the Rams to cover uh, Chase? You, you just saw them. You saw them twice this year. You saw them a couple of weeks ago. How did they cover you, and how do you, do you expect it to be the same as how they cover Chase? I don't think they're going to change their defense up or anything. They, they play a lot of uh, one high, cover three, and they play a lot of man, too. So I expect them to do the same thing. They play a lot of off coverage, and that the pass rushers get there. And they're really good at reading the quarterback's eyes. Uh, number 11 and, and, and Ramsey, they do a great job. All right, tell us what you're doing with Planters, Mike. I'm just I'm just here promoting, you know, the best uh, mixed nuts brand uh, in the game. And I also ha- have a question to ask. How do y'all eat y'all's mixed nuts? Oh, I don't know. Do y'all, do y'all grab them whole or just one at a time? I'm thinking it depends on how hungry I am. Because if I can just scarf <laughs> them down... I will. Um, if I can put them in a bowl, I will. But like, who's got a bowl lying around when you're that hungry? So I'm, I, I'm, I'm a hand guy and just, just scarf. Did you see Iverson on, on court side eating that popcorn? That clip on. That's, yeah, that's how, how I'm doing. doing. i so <laughs> I actually met Allen Iverson, one of the realest dudes ever. I just met him recently. Man, that was a great moment for me. But what about you, Ben? Uh, yeah, I'm probably just shoveling it. Like, I'm probably doing the Iverson on the sideline. Okay, so you're all pretty similar. All right. Iverson soon to be the second greatest point guard in Sixers history. Mike, did you see the Harden trade? I did see it, man. What'd you think? I wish the Lakers were making a trade to get one of those guys. I'll take Ben Simmons or James Harden. <laughs> yeah, I don't think but, uh, yeah, much it's a trade. It's a lot of good trades. Awesome. Mike Evans, he's here with Planters. Thank you so much for joining the Ring Run NFL show. Thank y'all so much. God bless. All right, Vernon Davis, longtime NFL star. He's here on behalf of Q30 Innovations. Vernon, what's going on, man? Nothing much. How are you? Uh, doing great, doing great. Um, excited for this game. We'll start here, and everything flows through here. How do you see this game going on Sunday? I see the Los Angeles Rams winning this game by two, three, two touchdowns. Really? Why, why, that, why that kind of confidence? I don't know. I just, I just from watching them and seeing how they play the game and um, watching the mistakes that they made, and I feel like this game, they, I, I feel like they learned from their mistakes. I feel like they went back in and they corrected some of the things that need to be corrected, and they're going to go out and have the most phenomenal game they've ever had. And they have the players both offensively and defensively to get it done, and their special teams can get it done as well. So I think they're going to have a lot of success. We've had a lot of people picking the Rams who've come come through and, and talked to us. 
Can you, if you see a path for the Bengals, if the Bengals were to win this game, how do you think they would do it? If the Bengals were to win this game, I think that they will really, I think they'll do it. It'll be offensively for sure. Offensively. Defense will definitely help out. Um, but I think offensively with Joe Barrows, I think they'll, they can, they can get it done on offense. And, and look, I'm, I'm not counting them out at all. I'm not saying that they're not good enough. I, I'm just saying that I think the Rams are going to win the game because they're, they're clearly a good team. They made it this far. You've played in two Super Bowls. Um, if, Obviously, a lot of people have not played in any Super Bowls. Uh, when when you're preparing that week, it's unlike anything uh, you've ever been around. Marshall Folk was on this podcast yesterday. yesterday. He said family can distract you so much they can lose, lose you a game. You can play badly because of all those distractions. When you're preparing for it, what's different about that game? Gosh, it's, it's just like when you play in the Super Bowl, it's like that game. that's the game that we, we went to practice for. That's the game that we, we trained for. You know what I mean? It's like the game. You either win or you go home, right? It's few and far between making it to the Super Bowl. You're there. You might as well capitalize on it because you don't. You don't know. You'll never. You'll probably never get there again ever in your life. You know. So that window of opportunity is so small. So you really have to make sure that you you put your thinking cap on. You have to find that zone. It's a zone that you that you find in those kind of games that you don't have all season long. You know what I mean? It's, it's just a focus unlike any other focus that you have. And I think that most guys who are playing the game, they understand that. But one team's better than the other, and that's just how it's going to boil, boil down. Is there a trick to making it feel normal when you're practicing and it's just one rep at a time, or can it not ever feel normal? It can never really feel normal. When you're, when you're in practice, you have to approach that practice like you're playing in that game. That's how I did. And every, every playoff and Super Bowl game that I was in, it was – it was a different level of focus that I had. And it was like, every time I lined up, it was just like, it was, everything was so quiet, slow. Everything that I saw was in slow motion. I just felt unstoppable on a totally different level. For a guy like Matthew Stafford, who's, who's been in the league for a long time, had a lot of success, but not the success on the team level that he would have wanted to. Do you think that, is there an added pressure that comes from that? Or do you think there's a way to kind of find that heightened level of intensity, but also enjoyment being in this new situation? I think Matt Stafford needs, needs to just do everything he's done to make it to this point, right? Same way you play in the playoffs, you play in the, you play in the, in the championship game. Because the, the playoff game is a pretty much, you're playing, you're going to play. The way we, we, we're seeing guys playing in the playoffs, they're going to play the same way in the Super Bowl. Those guys who are known to make those big, spectacular plays. They're going to play the same way. You know, it's because it's, you have to approach it like that. Because if you lose one playoff game, you're going home anyway, right? So if he could just stay poised, relax, and do everything that he's done up to this point, he'll be okay. Vernon, uh, I want to go around with some of the franchises you've played for, um, the coaches you've played for. Uh, Washington football team, obviously – in, in a bit of a rudderless situation, they just changed their name. Um, there's, there's a lot of controversy around them. Um, how does that culture change? Does that culture change? How does the Washington football team improve their lot from where they are right now, Vernon? I think they just um, kind of forget about everything that happened in the organization and just focus on what's to come, right? Focus on the moment, the new name change, the new energy, fresh, fresh start to do something again, right? And do it better, right? and not really let the criticism get you down, right? Every organization 
there's so many organizations in the NFL that that have had similar situations as the Washington football team, right? But you can't let that make you. You can't let it be your identity. You move on, you create a culture, and you do everything that you can to have a winning spirit within that organization, the locker room, um, the office, the weight room, outside, in practice, on game day. Jim Harbaugh, obviously, in the news the last couple of weeks, he interviews in Minnesota, he comes back to, uh, to Michigan. Um, as a pro coach, I feel like Jim Harbaugh has kind of gotten, we've forgotten how good he was and, and, and how quickly he turned around um, that, that 49ers franchise. Would you like to see Jim back in the NFL or do you like him in college? I'd like to see Jim back in, uh, back in the NFL. I think he'll be fantastic in the NFL. He is a great coach. He has the enthusiasm and energy that you would want in a head coach. And I think my time with him was, was incredible. And I'm sure my teammates can attest to that. He came in, he changed everything. He changed the culture. He changed the way we approached practice and approached everything, even game day. Like he was the reason for our success. So having him in the NFL again would be be awesome. You know, I, I would love to see that. Tell us what you're doing with Q30. Q30, I'm here to educate everyone. Here's the Q collar. Goes like this, put it around your neck. It squeezes on your jugular veins, which are out here on both sides. Nice lime green. And it's lime green, your favorite color. <laughs> uh, How did you know? Uh, I can tell, I can tell. But uh, but yeah, it's um, I'm here to educate everyone on how it works and, and why I believe that they should be wearing it. I feel like it's something, it's a product that's unlike any other. The research and development that they put into this product is, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, they did so much work building this because they, because they care about the safety of these athletes and competitors in general, in general. I wore the collar when I was playing. And I must say that every time I walked out on the practice field or, or, the, or game day, I felt like I was safe. I felt like I was protected because I had a lot of concussions. And this device is about those repetitive hits that we get, the ones that we don't report and the ones that we don't see, right? That's what it's all about. So I'm here to educate everyone on why and how they should, why and how they should wear the collar and my belief in, in the overall company and um, while I jumped on board. Amazing, awesome. Um, Vernon, thank you so much for joining us. Um, really appreciate the time and enjoy the game on Sunday. Oh, thank you, thanks for having me. Thanks, Vernon. Oh, you're welcome. We are joined now by Atlanta Falcons quarterback, Matt Ryan. Matt, thanks for making the time, man. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you for having me on. All right, you get the same first question that everybody gets during Super Bowl week, which is tell me exactly what happens on Sunday. <laughs> oh, man, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. It's uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Both teams have been playing great. You know, they really have. And, uh, you know, since he's been just hot, they've kind of had that, you know, they've had that kind of dream season. And uh, the Rams have, have built such a, you know, powerhouse of a team that they've kind of, They've proven themselves right. They've done a great job on both sides of the ball. So I'm looking forward to watching it, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, part of that Rams powerhouse is uh, Raheem Morris, who you know a little pretty well. He was in Atlanta for a while, and I think a lot of people don't know about Raheem. He's the D.C. now with the Rams, but he was passing game coordinator, wide receivers coach in Atlanta. And so what was it like getting coached by Raheem Morris? What was he like as an offensive coach? And then do you see some of that translate over to the defensive side of the ball now? Yeah, I, you know, he was awesome. You know, I love – 
uh, Raheem as a person. I thought he was a great football coach. Uh, he wore a lot of hats for us. You were right. He wore a lot of different hats for us in Atlanta. His background before getting to Atlanta was on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, started on the defensive side of the ball, came, came over to the offensive side of the ball for a bit, and then finished on the defensive side of the ball. So, uh, you know, he had an interesting experience with us. But, you know, I think it's, I think it's probably helped him grow as a coach. You know, I think um, seeing it from the offensive perspective, you know, being in meeting rooms with guys, thinking, you know, talking with players, wide, wide receiver position, um, you know, talking with those guys, understanding how they operate. Now being on the other side of it, going back to what he knows best uh, and how to take things away, you know, I think has probably helped him grow as a coach. And he's certainly done an awesome job with the Rams this year. With the Rams, he's kind of continued what Brandon Staley was doing there last year where they're playing a lot of two high shells. And then he came from working under Dan Quinn. And Dan Quinn's known for playing a lot of one high shells. Do you think that speaks to a larger trend in the NFL? Are we seeing more two high shells over the last couple of years? Well, I think you see some of that. I also think, you know, his time in Tampa was was a heavy two-shell team, you know, and that's where he cut his teeth as a coach and, and really learned, uh, you know, from – from like Monty Kiffin and those guys who originated, um, you know, some of that, that too high shell defense. And so uh, I think, you know, I think you're probably seeing some more of that across the league for sure. We saw a lot of that this, this past season of uh, first and second down, seeing a lot more two shell than we would maybe in, in previous years, but you know, the, the league kind of one thing's hot for a little while then something else comes in vogue and then it goes back to something else. And, uh, the beauty of playing for a long time like I have is that, you know, you've gone against all these different things and, and uh, you know, there's some there's some comfort to, to trying to attack those type of defenses. I, w- I was reading an old interview of yours. I think it was from 2015. It might have been 2016 where you were asked about kind of how you read out coverages. And you, you were saying that you were going from trying to read out the coverage itself to seeing spots instead. I'm wondering seven years later, like, how has that progressed? Are you still, is that still what you're doing or have you had to change since then? No, I think it's, it's probably similar. I think, uh, you know, what we see more and more is, is kind of these hybrid man zone. Uh, you know, one side might be a zone type structure and the other side might be playing man to man. And so uh, knowing exactly what you're getting all the time, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. I think that's one of the things that as I've gotten older, you know, you stop trying to be as perfect and you, and you understand that, you know, depending on what we have called, you know, if it's an across the board read, it doesn't really matter, you know, what they're doing. You're trying to see spots and, and progress. And, you know, at that time in 2015, 2016, uh, with Kyle Shanahan as a coordinator, a lot of what we were doing uh, was was kind of full progression stuff where you were sweeping across the board. And, and it, you know, it probably wasn't as important, you know, in, in that scheme. I think that's probably changed a little bit with some of what we're doing now of, of understanding, you know, maybe certain sides are built for, you know, a single safety defense. Certain sides are built for, you know, a two shell. And, and uh, you know, it just depends on the systems you're in. But at that time, for sure, you know, that's how Kyle operates. So that Shanahan offense, it's known as a QB friendly offense. That's what a lot of people say. And now, now uh, Stafford's going into a similar type offense with McVay. I know it's not like like for like, but it's kind of in the same tree. What is it about those offenses that makes it so easy, so much easier? I don't know about so much easier, but easier for a quarterback. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I'd argue all offenses should be quarterback friendly, right? Like, uh, uh, you know, right, that's, yeah. that's the way that they should operate. But yeah. uh, and uh, most uh, most left guards would argue offenses should be left guard friendly, and that's kind of how it goes. All all eleven players around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not always how. Yeah, it's not always how it works. 
Bruce, I don't know. Would would Bruce Arians say that? I don't know if Bruce Arians wants every offense to be QB friendly. Yes, a lot of his quarterbacks. <laughs> you know, I I think one of the things that you know Sean, a lot of those guys, you know, from from that background, you know, do a great job of is marrying up the run game with the pass game, and um, you know, in that scheme, we would talk all the time about how the run game is going to set up what we do in the play action passes. And if you can get it going, it allows you to, you know, get a lot of those explosive type plays, um, you know, off of play action pass where you get everybody to come up. You've got somebody running open and they do a great job of, of getting receivers open in space on first and second down. And uh, I think, you know, Matthew has done a great job of, of, of kind of understanding that and doing, you know, putting the ball where he needs to put it and giving his guys chances to make plays. Yeah. And now you're obviously in that new offense with Arthur Smith. It's a little bit inspired a little bit different but the one thing that kind of was big this year was Cordero Patterson who so many offensive coaches have tried to figure out how to get Cordero Patterson working not just on special teams on the offensive side of the ball you guys were able to do that this year so what what was the secret sauce for for CPAT what was the magic yeah I think you know Art does a great job he really does a, a good job of of understanding what guys can and can't do uh and playing to their strengths and and um you know, fortunately for us, I think CP, he's, 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 uh, a, he's got a lot of talents, you know, a lot of things he can do well. And, uh, you know, I think the hybrid of using him, you know, as a running back first, primarily for us, but also being able to split him out and throw it, you know, all over the field too. He can stretch the field vertical. He can catch slants. He can do a lot of those things that, you know, running backs typically can't do. Um, he can do those things. And, and he proved this year too, he could run from behind you know, behind center. I mean, we, we ran him downhill off tackle, uh, all those kind of different things. And, and, uh, he had a great year. It was fun. You know, it was fun watching him do his thing and fun being his teammate. Talking about guys who, uh, who can do a lot of things that not a lot of other people can do. There was a tight end drafted number four overall, which is new. That guy's Kyle Pitts. And I just am curious that, that high caliber of athlete, is he the sort of dude, like the first time you throw to him in training camp, you see him on the field, you're like, Oh, Yep, like this. This is this is a unicorn. This guy's special. Yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, that's that's. There's no question about it. First time we worked out together, I was like, man, this guy's got. He's got a unique skill set. He's got a range and and you know speed. Uh, that's just it's rare. And I've been fortunate. I've seen it a couple of times. You know, I I was here when Julio got drafted. I remember coming in. You know, my first year seeing Roddy White, you know, back in the day, first time throwing to him, you know, you get that same type of feeling. When Tony Gonzalez came to us, I had that feeling too. And, and you know, Kyle's not there yet, but, uh, you know, in terms of what those guys have produced, but first year Pro Bowl, over a thousand yards receiving. I mean, uh, it was impressive what he did. And, uh, you know, I think he's got a really high ceiling. And the best thing about him is that he works, you know, he works really hard and, and he's got, you know, a want to be a great player. Speaking of uh, Julio, we have two receivers in this game, two star receivers on either side. You have Jamar Chase with the Bengals, Cooper Cup with the Rams. Those are guys where you know the offense is probably trying to get them the ball on third down. The same was true for Julio. What do you do as a quarterback, or what's your mindset when you know that the defense is keen in on those guys? Maybe they're bracketing them, maybe not. Maybe they're just trying to get bodies into the areas where they typically run routes. Do you have to adjust and be ready to go on to your second read or second or third read? Or is it a, a thing where that's my best receiver, That it's a key situation, I need to get him the ball? Yeah, I think the trick is you know striking that balance because you want to do both. You know, uh, There's times – 
And I think it depends on the play call and, and how they, you know, how they come up with their third down package. Uh, you know, we would always say that, you know, okay, if he's doubled on this certain play, let's move on and go through a progression, but we might have something else and a route that who runs great. And we would just say, listen, let's give him a chance. You know, the guy, the guy's going to make plays. If, if you feel like you got an opportunity to lay it up and, and let him make a play on it, go for it. And so it's, it's striking that balance. We would really, you know, work hard during the week, um, you know, in our third down meetings and as we were game planning to try and figure out when were the times we wanted to take some chances, when were the times we want to progress. And I think both quarterbacks do a great job with that. So right now, if you were in the uh, Super Bowl and you had a choice, Cooper Cup or Jamar Chase, who do you want on third down? <laughs> yeah, that's an impossible question. Too man. difficult. That's. Uh, I'll, I'll take. Listen, both either. You know, one on the backside of trips. Cooper Cup in the slot. We'll go on pick off side. We'll be okay. Uh, I do want to ask though that uh, that you have Stafford coming in with his elite quarterback. You have Burrow coming in with his elite receiver. But they're both first time guys in the Super Bowl. And I'm wondering, especially on like Stafford's side, he's a veteran. He's been in the league for a while. When you had your Super Bowl run in 2016, you were a veteran. You'd been in the league for a while. Does the Super Bowl bring you back to feeling like a rookie in terms of nerves? In terms of uh, this is new for me. This is a lot of stress. It's a lot of a lot of uh, 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 pressure on me. Or at this point, is it just old hat? Another football game. I know how to prepare. You know, it's new for both of these guys, right? And, and it was new for me at that time. And and the whole week's different. The whole setup's different. So that that kind of leads to a different rhythm. You know, to your week. We're, we're very much, uh, you know, creatures of habit. Uh, we do the same things Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and the Super Bowl week is is just a little bit different. Uh, I thought, you know, the best advice I got prior to it was try and keep, you know, your routine, uh, of what you do, you know, Wednesday night, Thursday night, whatever it is, Friday night, keep, keep that as similar as possible to try and make it feel as normal as possible. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's a unique beast for both of them. But these guys have had great years. You know, the thing about playing in this game is it, it means you've been playing well. So there's a level of confidence that comes with that too, you know. So yeah, absolutely. You, you feel like you feel like you're at this spot because you played great, and uh, there's a high confidence going into games like this. So, a couple of weeks ago, I just so happened to be watching some some film on the Bucks defense, and there was a play. Uh, it was a two point conversion where it looked like a zone read that you scored on. Was that your first time ever running a zone read? And do you want to run one again? I think it might have been my second time running zone read. I tried once in New Orleans, like maybe five or six years ago. Didn't work out well. Didn't work out well. That two point. What was what was the problem? What was the problem? You read it out uh, wrong. I read it right. I didn't have the gas. I didn't have the. I didn't have the speed to be able to to make it work. Luckily, uh, I had enough space on that two point play. Got vertical. Got over top uh, and, and got the two points. But you know, you got to sprinkle it in once every five or six years for me, just to keep them honest. You should have got Shanahan to give you the RG3 package. You should have got it. Well, I, it was with Atlanta. Kyle when, when Kyle was there. Right. It's when we exactly. ran it. And so I had watched a lot of their stuff. I was like, maybe I could do that. And then I realized quickly, you don't want to be doing it too often. Art saw the uh, the Buffalo scramble. And he figured he had to get you another one, right? <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> yeah, maybe without, without the flag at the end, though, unfortunately. Uh, Matt, thank you so much, man. You're here with uh, Travis Matthew. Tell us what you're doing with them. Yeah, I am. Uh, you know, I, uh, this time of the year, I get to play a little bit of golf, uh, do some of the things that, that I like to do away from the course. And uh, They've been a great partner. I've been friends with some of the guys who started it uh, a long time ago, back in 2007, right before I got drafted. And then, you know, recently partnered up with them. And 
Uh, they're perfect for me. I'm very low key, very uh, laid back, like to play golf, like to go have, you know, beer or, or dinner after the round and their clothes are great. So um, they've been a great partner, excited about what they got coming up in, you know, 2022 and uh, fired up to be, be a partner with them and hopefully be, uh, you know, a good run for us. That is Matt Ryan, quarterback of the Falcons. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. All right, we're live once again from Radio Row here at Super Bowl 56. This is the Ringer NFL feed. Obviously, we do the Tuesday show with Ryan Shazier, James Jones. I'm Jason Goff. James Jones is off being a diva somewhere, so we subbed him out with a, 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 a current star in the making, Najee Harris for the Pittsburgh Steelers by way of the University of Alabama. Ryan, you're a Pittsburgh Steeler for life. This man has just jumped into the Pittsburgh Steeler family. I'm just going to put my feet up on the desk and, and listen to y'all talk about football. I know why you're here, though, too, by the way. American Cancer Society, you've been selected as their player of the year. Um, the American Cancer Society is an incredibly important um, foundation, and you know everybody's been touched by it. Why is it important to you? to spread the word that the American Cancer Society is trying to get out there? Well, man, like I said, if there's any way to help people out, you know I mean? I'm always, I'm always here for it. Um, you know, I do my own things with my own nonprofits, but, you know, um, me doing that, I, I feel like, you know, I have, I have a lot of friends uh, who, was, uh, who had cancer too. And um, so, you know, if, if I could do any way to, to help them out, then, then I'll, I'll, I'll sign up for it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, your experience so far this week. Uh, when'd you get in? I got it Monday. You got yeah. it Monday. Yeah. So how has LA and the Super Bowl treated you so far? I'm just chilling, man. I'm sleep. I'm trying to uh, catch my get my stamina up from Las Vegas. Yeah, I mean that's where it came okay. from. Okay. Right. Uh, so um, so yeah, I, I just been chilling, man, so far. Hey, bro. I remember. I remember at the beginning of the year, you was like, "Hey, does it get cold in pit?" Oh hell yeah, <laughs> boy, I, boy. It was that Detroit game. I don't know what what month that was. That was the first time I could say that I felt every single hit because it was cold as hell. But I tell you what, especially <laughs> it got colder when it's down in the water, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah when yeah, it gets yeah. close to the Boy, river. Boy, yeah. I came on the sideline. I swear to God, strike me from line. I went to Mike T. He's like, you all right? I was like, Mike, it's cold as hell. He was like, <laughs> he was like man, he, he, he called the O.C., Warm his ass up. He over here talking about it's cold. Give him the ball. I was like, what the? <laughs> get back in the game. I was like, all right, all right. And because uh, I remember he was like, bro, it get cold here. I'm like, bro, you gonna have to like, cause he, cause I remember he first got into the league. He was like, man, I'm like you got to get some jackets. You know, I'm like some jackets. No, but I'm like you got to get jackets in Pittsburgh. Like you not like you can't buy something in yeah. Alabama and get it. While wearing sandals when it was snowing, I was just chilling. So you, I realized my you feet had, was freezing. You had never experienced the cold on any level. Well, like I like it snowed in Alabama once, but that's rare. It ain't snowing in California, of course. Right, um, right, right. But no, not like, none like that. No, none like that. That was crazy, bro. We came back from that Kansas City game. We already lost, so I'm already hella mad. But it, was, it, was it was a blizzard. That yeah. Week. yeah, it was a blizzard. I'm sliding everywhere. Boy, I couldn't get. I couldn't see nothing. I'm driving like five speed. My car getting stuck on the hill. I'm trying to drive to my house. I'm outside waiting and stuff. Lucky I got four wheel drive, bro. I'm, it was tough. <laughs> yeah, was no tough. doubt. Cold uh, as hell. You know, being being from Chicago and living in Chicago. Um, I'm, uh, I've gotten acclimated to the cold a little bit. And speaking of the Chicago Bears game uh, this year, you did a, a quite the interview after the Chicago oh, Bears that was game. The Chicago Bears game. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. With ESPN oh, Deportes. That was Monday night. Yeah, yep, yep, ESPN yep. Deportes, where you did the Feliz Navidad and you hung out and you shouted out all the Mexican fans out there. Yeah, that's the I mean, homies right there. I'm actually, yeah, I'm actually gonna do a camp out there though in Mexico. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm gonna yeah? do a camp out there in Mexico. You let, me know, let me know. I'll be there with you. No, no. If you let me know, I'll be there with you. 
See, I got you. Bringing people together here. I got you. The Pittsburgh Steelers as an organization, right? You, you mentioned Mike Tomlin and the, the standard being the standard at all times. This year, the ups and downs of the year, making it into the playoffs. Um, if you could, give us an overview of what this year was like for you and the organization. So this year, like you said, there was a lot of ups and downs, a lot of adversity, um, especially being my first year. Um, it doesn't really matter. But coming from a winning program, though, you know what I mean? And then, you know, you come there and it's just the opposite. Um, but no, you know, still won. Yeah, we still won. <laughs> I know what you mean. We still won. But like, um, you know, just just seeing how, how how things are in NFL, seeing how much how how different it is. Um, you know, seeing how like you know there is no easy games. You know, what I mean, especially like you know in the in the in college, you might have that one two teams that's like you know it ain't gonna have no chance. Um, even the worst team in the NFL is is good as hell. You know, what I mean, so you know, going there and just experience everything and, and just seeing, you know. How much of a how much how important like culture and, and, and having a leader is in, in the NFL because you know I, I, w- I would think that you know I mean being at this level like you know everybody would would understand what the mission is but it seems like it seems like we, we didn't have a lot of that this year you know so we need to get back to getting to our to the culture that uh that that the old past still legends was telling me about and getting the culture of, of, of how to win you know I mean we, we gotta we gotta do better on, on a lot of things and we need to to do better, I'm talking about the offense-wise, of, of playing as a team. I, I mentioned at the top of the interview that you are being honored by American Cancer Society as NFL Player of the Year on February 8th and at their Game Changer celebration in Beverly Hills uh, for your work to help unhoused communities and, you know, doing the research and finding out about your background and being in and out of shelters as a kid growing up. Um, that experience and what you're trying to uh, bring about in terms of change and making sure that other people don't have to go through some of the things that you went through. How did that mold you, and where where does it land with you now? Is you know you reaping all the rewards from your success? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me when I was when I was growing up, um, you know, I had a big family. I'm, I'm the youngest of like eleven. You know, what I mean, um, we all stayed one time. We all stayed at one house in in, in uh, San Francisco. Um, and, you know, I mean, to me, family was really important. You know, we always looked after each other and getting older, you know, I mean, some, you know, we kind of just like broke off, but, you know, we was all still together and close. Um, so um, just, 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 just growing up, you know, we bounced around a lot. Like I said, I was homeless and all that stuff. But, you know, I mean, I always wanted somebody, you know, I mean, to, to look after me in a way, you know what I mean? Um, and, and to like, I guess, be like, a, um, I had a, I'm the youngest. I had a lot of big brothers, but I want somebody to just kind of like, just like show me the way in a way. Yeah, hold you, know you down. I mean? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. 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 So yeah. like. Um, you know, for me to to be where I'm at now, you know, I mean, I'm I'm trying to be that person to somebody else. You know, I mean? I'm trying to help out somebody. You know, what I mean, if I if I can help one person out, then you know, that that's that's good as, as helping everybody out. So, um, and maybe that person could do the same. You know, I'm help out somebody else, and then it could be like keep the ball rolling. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, for me to, to to do as much as I can, somebody's gonna get impacted. Somebody's gonna is gonna you know, what I mean, just make it to wherever they want. It's some successful thing and. And say like, oh, when I was when I was like at that this position, this person helped me, so I want to do the same thing for you or whatever. So you know, that means a lot, bro. You know, it, it might not even it can be the smallest thing, but like that can be in the world of somebody. That can be in the world of somebody. So, hey, what what was it like? What was it like to you this year? You know, uh, just dealing with the whole season and then being able to make the Pro Bowl. Like, did you did you reach your goals that you had this season? Did I reach my goals, man? Man, my goals changed actually in mid, mid midway through the season. Um, my goals was, you know, getting, making this Pro Bowl, of course. And I mean, 
offensive rookie of the year. Uh, you know, I mean, getting a thousand some yards. You know, I mean, breaking all these records. But midway through the year, you know, what I mean, I, I see how how much how much more of a of a leader we need, I guess, in a way, and how much like stuff needs to change. That I just kind of like said, man, it's whatever about that. Like this this is what's important right now. And then you know, your stuff could come in later. But right now, like this is what we need to focus on. And um, so did I reach that right there? I don't think I did. But, like, the personal stats, I mean, I really don't care for that too much now. But did I reach that goal? No, I don't think I did. Did, did you have a convo with Coach T about that type of stuff? Because I feel like I had that same type of convo before. Man, and, I'll tell you, man. It, it yeah, I sit down and be like, this is what I want to aspire to this year. And I hope Mike T was right here because yeah. he could tell you, like, this guy right here is pain in the ass. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like, because I'm just so honest about what the stuff I say. So, like, I kind of have no filter. So yeah. I just say, like, what's on my mind type stuff. He likes that, though. That's why I like my yeah. team. Nah, for he real. likes that a lot. So, like. You don't have no gray area. Exactly. He let you know what it is. Exactly. So that's why I like him a lot. So we had a lot of conversations. Though. We, we had a lot of I was actually talking to him yesterday. But, yeah, we, we, had, we had a lot of conversations. Speaking of Mike Tomlin, uh, everything that's in the news, he is obviously the, well, going into this cycle was the lone blackhead coach in yes. all of the NFL. Do, do players talk about that kind of thing in the locker room or when this stuff is going on with the class action suit? Like, man, you know, it, it seems as if there's something happening in terms of the filtration system when it comes to guys getting that bump up to being the head coach or guys being the heads of teams, team presidents and general managers when 70, 71, 72 percent of the playing field is African-American or minority. Um, are those conversations that happen with either you or Mike T or anybody else that like, it's just in the news. So, and the, so you say is that stuff we have that said in the locker room or talked about? Period amongst you guys. I mean, I think we all, I think we all understand. Like, you know, what I mean, what, you know, I mean, I think we all understand what's what's going on. You know, what I mean, but um, um, you know, I mean, like what you said, seventy-one percent of the of the league is is black. You know, what I mean, so you know, for a player to play for a black coach, you know, what I mean, it's, it seems like you know, what I mean, you feel more comfortable around him. I guess you know, what I'm saying mm-hmm. of like saying how you truly feel relatable about you know what yeah. i mean like and he's relatable you know what i mean you can like talk to him like you know what i mean because one of us you know what i mean yeah, yeah. I, like i'm not trying to say nothing about any other coach man, right because you know i had tons of uh other yeah. coaches nick but, saban a yeah, brother you know a I mean? brother like yeah and they're all good but it's like you know what i mean something about seeing like you know what i mean representation right you know there I mean? yeah you feel more comfortable yeah, yeah. And that's what he was. I mean, like he, you know, what I mean, he he goes in there and dances around. You know, what I mean, like just just. I saw that, a, by the way. I saw I saw that in yeah, the locker room. First time I've been around a coach done that. Hey, <laughs> hey. because hey. coming off of what years ago when AB did the thing in the locker room where he's showing everybody hanging out and and celebrating, it was a big deal. So to see Mike Tomlin dancing on Instagram Live, uh, one, you know, he got the old man swag, and two, <laughs> like you don't normally see him let let his hair down like that and. and and get to relax a little bit in front of any camera, yeah. never mind Instagram. I mean, uh, he, he jumped in the live. Yeah, no, yeah. One, thing, one, thing about <laughs> Coach, one thing about Coach T, man, like, like when you give your all for him, like, mm-hmm. he, I feel like exactly. he going he gonna to give it, like, give you him. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, like, when you BSing him and bullshitting him, then that's when, you know, he, he not really exactly. taking it. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think he was like, man, we made it. Like, we, we made it to, like, what people didn't think we were going to be. And like he was like he let it you know <laughs> yeah. and he let his hair down. Season long. Yeah, I mean like the doubters just to like to hush the doubters, you know what I mean? And you standing on top like that, I mean like I like that's that like there's no better other feeling, I guess I'm trying to say, than um than to do all that. I mean he but that was that was crazy though. He jumped in the live and did all that. I was like, bro, I love this dude right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
we got to wrap it up with you because you got to do a whole bunch of other interviews here at Radio Row. Uh, no, pre- I don't. No, you, he said, no, no you don't? don't? All right, we'll tell you people that. Uh, <laughs> congratulations once again on being the ACS NFL Player of the Year. Um, thank you for everything no, you're doing. I appreciate that, for man. For speaking out on American Cancer, for American Cancer Society and also helping out marginalized families, helping them get housed in these communities that um, don't get the looks that they deserve. So, yeah. Najee, thank you so much, man. Much success to you. Continue blessings, bro. Of course, as always. Thank you guys for having me, man. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. I'm joined by Marshall Falk, uh, one of the best running backs in the history of football, someone who changed the game. He's here with San Diego State on behalf of their new stadium, um, which is one of the new stadiums in, in California. Costs a lot less than SoFi Stadium, but it's just as impressive. Marshall, what's going on, man? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Just uh, here representing uh, San Diego State and um, being the ambassador for the new Snapdragon Stadium. That's awesome. Getting the word out. We want people to understand that um, that's a premier program here in the state of California. Um, you know, there's there's other stadiums other than this, sure. this, this two billion, three billion, four billion. It well, might be more up. than that at, <laughs> at this point. Yeah, but anyways, yeah, we we have a little gym down there, and um, loving the fact that um, in San Diego, uh, obviously we know the Chargers left. That city yeah. has pulled together and rallied behind San Diego State sports, and and now having a football having a football stadium that we can call home. We have a real home field advantage. Looking forward to that. I want to talk about San Diego in a second, but I want to start here. Um, everything will flow through here. How does this game go on Sunday? Um, good game. Good game. I think both of these quarterbacks, you know, it's um, – and and, and, I, and and people, they're looking at Burrow. They're saying he's cool, but I don't think they really understand, like, what he brings to the table. Uh-huh. Um, when, I, when I compare these two quarterbacks, I think about – hold on, wait. One of these guys – He's been on a he's he's won on the big stage. Yep. Like he's won a national championship. Yep. This this game is going to feel similar yes. to a national championship, you know. And 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 I, I look at that and I think there's advantage for for Burrow there. But but then I just think about supporting cast, mm-hmm. all around team, and everything. Um, this this has been like uh, the Rams pushed all their chips in. Yeah. And and they went out and they didn't just get pieces. They got like strategic pieces like they they got high id high character kind of guys to fit the la brand Mm -hmm. and and those guys they came in 
and it it has paid off yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like it story doesn't get it doesn't get any better so um i think i think it's i think it, you know it's it's the rams I'm, I'm i'm going rams not just because i am a ram but i i look at what these two teams have been through and yes cincinnati they they have a, an opportunity to win this game but i'm i am going to say that um after watching what the rams defense did against the 49ers and the 49ers has been their nemesis over the past mm -hmm. few years yep. i think they beat them six times in a yep. row they beat them to get into the playoffs that herculean effort mm -hmm. that it took to win that game i can't see them allowing this game to slip away that's interesting. Um, I want to ask about the Bengals here because they had a two-year turnaround that was as quick as as you can get in the NFL. Yes. They went from I was at a, the game when they clinched Burrow uh, in 2019 in December, and they were a lost franchise. They turned that around. Um, you were on a Rams team um, when you got there. They turned around almost immediately. Mm -hmm. When you're turning around a franchise, what's the thing that people don't understand? Because everyone, there's a, probably 16 teams right now looking at the Bengals and saying, oh my God, we want to be there in two years. When you're turning around a franchise that's rudderless, uh, what what does that look like? I think you have to identify the, the those, those guys that have the character that you want on your team, and you got to be able to identify that through losing. Through winning is easy. Right. Through When you're winning, it's easy. Through losing, you really have to sift them out. You got to figure out who's playing for the love of the game, who's uh -huh. playing for money. <laughs> That's interesting. So t tell me the difference between that. Like, how can you tell when you when you are on a losing team and things aren't going well? Can you look around the locker room and saying, "This guy's all in. This guy's ready for Cabo." So I've played on bad teams. Yeah, and I went out and I competed regardless. Yeah. Oh man, we're down twenty. I'm competing. Right. Fourth quarter, right. five minutes. I ain't asked to come out. I'm competing. Right. Because it's a privilege to play in a game. To, like, this is my dream. I, right. I dreamt of playing professional football. You never have the dream of winning playing professional football. Right. You dream of playing professional football. You right. may have a dream of winning a Super Bowl. And so when that's the case, then that guy plays and his motor goes and he plays at a high level regardless of who he's playing against, what the score is, how much time is on the clock, what the weather conditions are. Yeah. And you identify those things. What's, you know, everybody said Joe Burrow was asked about this yesterday, and he said, what, you know, so what advice have you gotten from people playing the Super Bowl? And they said, you know, just handle all, have somebody else handle all the tickets, all that stuff, all the distractions. When you play in a Super Bowl, the thing nobody understands is what? Your family. Yeah. Your family can cause you to lose the game, not even knowing. Explain that. Um, because they want to be there for you. Right. They want to support you, and you want to be in your routine, and you want to do the things that you normally do. And, 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 and sometimes um, getting out of your routine, um, people overstepping boundaries it, in, a, in a good way. Like they wanted, and that's just doing too much or you do too much. You know, I, I think it's, it's extremely tough on the Rams to be here playing. I think that's, that's tough because your honeydews, your kids, your yeah. family, all the things that you're normally away from yeah. that fly in later. You're, you're you're still here, yeah. Like your 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 eight year old, they still want daddy to read them a, a good night yeah. story. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? You what they don't understand? Hey, this is the biggest game of my life. Right. How do you and how do you deal with that? Normally, you're not dealing with that when you're on the road. That's fascinating because you know it's even interesting because I think that when the first time someone plays in the Super Bowl, Sean McVay said this two three years ago, he over prepared for the Super Bowl because he had that extra week. He said he watched too much film, it got in his head, and then when it came time to game plan, he was going in all sorts of different directions. So 
when you say people, when players try to do too much, what is that? Is that is that too too much working out? Is that is that too much film? Is that just overthinking it and saying I'm trying to get up for this game and not really uh, and just kind of psyching yourself out? What is doing too much when doing you're doing too much? Is it? you're out of your team? Yeah. And and um, Coach Vermeil, I remember him telling us, listen, yes, this is the Super Bowl, and I want you to pay 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 a little bit more attention to the the the, the, the magnitude of the game, but don't change who you are. Like we don't, we got here with you. Yeah. How you are, what you're, what you've done, that's what we want. That's what we're expecting to show up. And and, and guys get out of character. Yeah. You know they they want to do stuff that they that they normally don't do. That's really interesting. Um, I want to ask big picture about the running back position because you changed it just in the sense that you could do basically everything back there. You were uh, you helped that that greatest show on turf go. Um, the running back position now has changed so dramatically. Uh, if you were born in 1995, how much differently would you, would you would your career have been, and would you have tried to play a different position? I don't know. I mean, that, that's a good question. Um, up up until this season, I, I didn't see a player that I was like, huh. And then I saw Debo Sam, and I was like, that Ooh. would probably be me. That that would have been me. Like that literally would have been me. I probably would have played wide out, could have played a little running back, and 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 had that kind of attitude mindset playing the game. That's really interesting. So Debo was the first guy you said, okay, that's that's a modern Marshall. Yeah, yeah, he's the, he's he's actually a running back that's playing wide receiver. Right. And that's right. what that's I that's what I did. It was funny because I, I thought about this the other day, but there's going to be so many bad teams that look at Debo and say, we're going to draft a guy like Debo, and they don't understand two things. Number one, Kyle Shanahan makes that go. Number two, Debo is just is just special. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's a, it takes a different kind of guy to be able to line up as a receiver and play finesse and then you know go get dirty in the backfield yeah. and you know what i'm saying like you understand you're gonna get hit yeah. you, know, you gotta shrug you gotta shrug off all of that all of that and and, and just play ball you know he's a he's a there a lot of a lot of a lot of kids today they're coming in with specialties mm-hmm. they're not just football players like he's a football player I think you could put him at at, at like linebacker he could play you put him at safety he could play mm-hmm. Um, when you mentioned that you're obviously a Ram, um, you still identify with the team. Sean McVay and the job he's done. Uh, when you watch that offense in 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 particular, what stands out? Um, uh, the continuity, yeah. the, the the level of continuity that they have, and 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 how they execute, yeah. regardless of what personnel that they they have in the game. I mean, they do a lot of motion, movement, shifts. Um, they bunch of formations, um, and you rarely see procedure calls. You rarely see blown plays. They do a really, he does a really good job at mentally getting them prepared to play, which is, which is, you know, that, that could be tough to have everybody dialed in. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, I want to ask about San Diego. So they lost the Chargers a couple of years ago. The move to Los Angeles has been interesting to say the least. Um, with San Diego State in the stadium, obviously, what's the football culture now? I mean, are there, is there still kind of lingering sadness over the Chargers? How do you feel about that move? How do you, you know, what's going on in San Diego football right now? Uh, you know, last year, uh, San Diego State, um, we, we, we really kind of took the city on a ride. Yeah. And um, those fans that were, you know, a little little, little butthurt about sure. the Chargers sure. leaving, they, they came on board and we coddled them and like, you know, here, take a, take a A and become an Aztec and, you know, we, yeah. we we really we really you know got them right. Now we're going to give them. They haven't had a new stadium in a long time. They're yeah. going to come and get and sit and enjoy some luxury and, and 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 root on some collegiate players and and really really become part of a culture. Um, 
I mean, I don't, I don't know another college team in the state of California that, that, that's built a new stadium. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while. I, I, I don't know one. Yep. Um, some They've redid parts and all of this stuff, but to just build a new stadium, you know, and that's a commitment to the city. That's a commitment from the city to the, to the, to the, to the university and what we're building. Marshall, thank you for coming to the Ring NFL Show. Joined now by Arizona Cardinals tight end, Zach Ertz. Thank you for joining the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, you get the same question that everybody gets, that we always get. Super Bowl week has to be done. Tell me uh, exactly what happens on Sunday, down to the, the final score. Uh, this coming Sunday? Yeah, yeah, Super Bowl time. I think the Rams are going to win. I think it's, it's going to be a close game just because the, the offensive skill position players for the Bengals, in my opinion, are probably the best young group in the league. Yeah. Um, and the quarterback's obviously super talented. And I don't, I don't think, I mean, the offense is great. The defense doesn't get enough recognition. I think Jesse Bates, it's one of the most underrated players in the league yeah. on defense. Um, and they all play well together. The defense coordinators are really, really good. Um, but I still think the Rams are going to win just because nice. they have a better defense. Yeah, talk about why Jesse's underrated because safeties aren't on the broadcast copy for a lot of people watching home, so people yeah. just don't see him play. So I feel like safeties often get underrated. What's Jesse do so well? What impresses you? Um, he, he's really just a ball hawk. You know, yeah. he understand. I feel like his football IQ is extremely high, so he's able to read the offensive plays extremely quickly. Yeah. He plays extremely fast. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up with a pick in this game. Yeah. Um, he's just really, really talented player. I remember, I think it was 2020 the Bengals were playing you guys. It might have been 2019. No, it was 2020. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a tie game. And you guys had uh, Dagger, right? You were in 12. Yeah. You had two receivers to the one side. And Jesse just... He should have picked the end of the game right hammered. there. Yeah, yeah. He was too far ahead of it, yeah. right? And so he ended up coming behind him because yeah. he closed down so quick. He's really good. I, I want to ask about actually the tight ends in this game because both teams have uh, potential injuries at tight ends. We don't yeah. know yet who's playing. Tyler Higby for the Rams, CJ Uzama for the Bengals. What happens when a, a tight end gets taken out of the starting lineup? Is it because the tight end does so much? It's the safety valve. It's the pass protection. It's the run blocking. What What's the biggest detriment? What's the worry when you lose a tight end in the starting lineup? I mean, I think the toughest part. Um, obviously, if, if if the tight end is a key contributor you lose a big piece of the offense. I mean, yeah. it's tough to replicate the yards, any player that, that you lose. But I think the biggest detriment is that you, you ultimately lose a personnel grouping. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you have a lot of 12 personnel going instead of game plan and you only really have two tight ends that you feel confident in playing and one of them gets hurt, that whole package is essentially yeah. out of there. Um, so you could plan, coaches can plan all the time for that third tight end. In Philly, there was games where we only had two tight ends up. Right. Me and Dallas up, um, and so if one of us got hurt, we, we had to go 11. There was no other option, um, and so for me, I think that's what people don't really understand is that the game plans will be altered if those guys aren't able to go. 100%. Does Cliff even have 12 personnel? Does Cliff have yeah. a two-tight end package? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, these two teams, though, they, they lead the league in 11, right? Like, yeah. they're constantly one tight end, but Higby with the ability like to get the running game going and then use them over the middle of the field, it feels like big tight end Super Bowl. Big, very excited for a tight end featured Super Bowl, at least if they're able to get on the field. Yeah, I would love it. I mean, I'd, yeah. I'd love to see the tight ends get the ball. I'd love to see the tight ends involved in, mm -hmm. in, in any offense. I think these two guys are, are really talented players. I think right. they're uh, really good for their offenses. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Tyler is in a guy. They're not asking either of these guys to go out there and beat a whole bunch of man coverage. But these yeah. guys are athletic. They right. play extremely hard. They're really good in the run game. Mm -hmm. um, and so at the end of the day, I think these guys can both make plays if if and when they're given the opportunity yeah. in this game, I have all the confidence in the world that these guys are going to be able to do that. Fantasy football's ruining it, man. Everybody cares about the Kelsey's mm -hmm. and the Wallers. We're talking. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. 
And Zach Ertz's, <laughs> okay. Zach Ertz's record-setting Arizona Cardinals tight end, Zach Ertz, single season. <laughs> I do want to ask about that, though, because when you joined the Cardinals, they had the third-fewest targets to tight ends in the season, right? And, yeah. you know, Cliff is an air-raid-style offense. That's 10 personnel, right? They're running wide cross, but that Y is, that's Y is a receiver. He yeah. ain't a tight end. What was it like getting into that building and, and knowing from the jump, we're going to have to figure stuff out, like we're going to have to change some things. And what was that process like, Kyler, Cliff, and yourself, figuring out how to get a, a star tight end integrated into this offense that previously didn't have one? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it was a process. You know, yeah. I, I didn't have a training camp to show them what I could do. I mm-hmm. didn't have an offseason to show what I can do. But, and I didn't expect them for, for me to just walk in and be like, okay, Zach, here are your 10 targets a game, let's go. Yeah. Um, I felt like it was a process. You know, at the, my first couple of games, I think I had three or four catches. Mm-hmm. Um, the first three games um, in each game. And then by the end of the year, when they saw what I can do, when they saw how comfortable Kyler and I got together, the chemistry we developed, I was having seven, eight catches a game in, mm-hmm. in the last month of the season. Um, and I, so for me, I feel like if I'm able to go back to Arizona, I feel like we're just kind of scratching the surface of what I can yeah. do in that offense. Um, and I'm excited about that possibility. Yeah. Uh, I know when you started playing with Kyler, you talked about him a little bit in December when you were starting to get really productive and said, like, this is just the most talented quarterback I've played with. And you yeah. played with some good ones. You've had three different quarterbacks in the last three years. What stands out about him? What was it that really made you go, like, holy smokes, this guy's a dude? Yeah, I mean, I think being in Philly, mm-hmm. watching Arizona games, I, you'd only see the highlights. You know, yeah. I wasn't able to see a full game's worth or multiple games worth of plays, and so I'd only see this guy running around making all these ridiculous plays. Right. But this dude is a pocket passer. He wants to play mm-hmm. football from the pocket, and he is so accurate. He can put the ball wherever he wants on the football field, yeah. and then he can run a 4-3 and run away from guys, whoever he <laughs> wants to. So for me, I think when I say he's the most talented player I've played with, it's because of what he's able to do. You, he can be a pocket passer. He could be the guy that just sits right. in the pocket. I think he completed over 70% of his passes this year. Or he could be the guy that just takes off on you for 70 yards on the zone read like he did against Indy when we played them. And so for me, I think there's just nothing he can do, and I think the sky's the limit for him. I got to say, it is funny watching him run because he's so short, right? And he (laughs) scoots around a little bit. You don't think he's going to be able to open up the way that he does, and all of a sudden it's like Roadrunner, man. He's gone in a flash. Um, I do want to, like, obviously, okay, Kyler Scrubbed is social. I don't really care too much about that. What I am interested in, in, like, coming off of a playoff loss like the one you guys had, like, what is – social like right because like you had like the tough times in philly and i know how philly fans can be like i'm from there (laughs) uh and and you know for for have the the, having the playoff loss that you lost that you had kyler scrubbing is social like what is it the stuff that's good that's going around with him is it what what he's getting said like how do you process a playoff loss when you have that much attention on you yeah i mean obviously everyone knows we didn't play that game was horrible it was a tough Uh, game I don't even want to talk about it. I no. feel like I haven't talked yeah. about it uh, until I came here. All right, uh, sorry. Scrub the question. Get but, it out. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, you just got to reflect. Yeah. Um, a season is not a reflection of the whole year. We made a lot of great right. strides as a team, as an organization, but ultimately we came up short. And you can focus on the good of the season, but you got to also harp on, hey, why did this happen? What can we do better next year so this doesn't happen again? Um, and I think it, it, it is a really good learning experience for the organization. Um, and if I'm fortunate enough to be back there, I think that we can be even better than we were this year, especially towards the end of the year. Yeah. Um, obviously, we, we didn't finish off the year strong. Um, and you want to be hitting your best at the end of the year. You want to be in the NFL. You, you want to be good weeks one through ten. Yeah. You want to be seven and three, six and four. Sure. But if you can catch it, catch it right and hit it mm-hmm. on a high, kind of like the Rams have done the past yeah. couple of weeks, 
um, then you got a chance to be really good and make some damage in the postseason. And so for us, started off great, faltered at the end, and so we just got to learn from it. Yeah. How do you do that? Like you've been doing this for a long time. You had yeah. some, some postseason runs. I remember the, the 2018 Eagles run, right, where like yeah. Foles came in again. It was, was yeah. great down the stretch. Like, how do you figure out how to hit that peak? Is it keeping the body right? Is it feeling the, the air change get colder and just kind of knowing that it's a different style? Like, how do, how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to reflect, first and foremost, that it is a process. You can't just be like, hey, we're going to hit our stride at the end of the year. Yeah, Let's like, oh, it. it's week 12. Yeah. We're yeah. good now. Let's go yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you want to win every time you step on the field as an NFL team, obviously. Right. Um, better than that, you can't. I would say you can't overreact at the beginning of the year if you if you don't string along a bunch of wins early. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Chiefs this year, everyone was saying that they fell off. They're not the same team. And then they hit it right at the end of the year. They go to the AFC Championship. Probably should be playing the Super Bowl. Man, uh, that game. And so for me, I think it's just all about the process and teams nowadays especially with big media markets and whatnot teams are often swayed they feel the pressure coming to outside because players are constantly getting asked negative questions right but you can't let that negativity seep into the culture mm-hmm. um and so for me i think it's all just all about the process if, if you do trust in your mm-hmm. process then you just got to stick with it and if right. you don't it's a great opportunity in the middle of the year to kind of reevaluate mm-hmm. things how can things be differently and i think that's what the offseason's for as well yeah the move to arizona was your first time on a new team, right? Yeah. Second team in the NFL, despite how long you've been in here. What surprised you? What was uh, unexpected about moving to a new team you weren't ready for? What was that process like, just changing house? Yeah, I mean, it was a whirlwind, obviously. Yeah. I, got, I played Thursday night in Philly against the Bucks. Right, I forgot then, about and that. And then I got <laughs> yeah. traded Friday morning, but I already knew going into the game that the trade had been agreed to. So oh, yeah. it was just like a lot of process that whole week, the finality going into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, was that still bleached hair, Zach, or was that? Were we no, I was, hair? it was yeah. very. I just had some like frosted tips, you know. That, oh yeah, just frosted tips yeah, at that exactly. point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, um, the instinct look from back in the day. <laughs> uh, but no, it was it was gone the moment I got traded to Arizona. Um, but at the, it was it was a whirlwind, you know. Mm-hmm. I had such an amazing time in Philly that it was kind of bittersweet. Right. But I was so excited to get to Arizona mm-hmm. and play for a coach like Cliff and a quarterback like Kyler, um, and so it, it it truly was a blessing. Nice. On the field stuff aside in the transition, I know that like community is huge for you. You were up for the 2022 NFL AP community player. Uh, moving from Arizona, uh, Philly to Arizona, yeah. still staying connected with Philadelphia and all the stuff that you and Julie do there and adding new stuff in Arizona. What was that like? How did you kind of make inroads with that community in the middle of the season in that whirlwind? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we've been fortunate enough to meet a lot of great people, obviously, yeah. along the way. And so for us, we knew in Philadelphia we wanted to leave a lasting project. Um, mm-hmm. And so we started this House of Hope out there. Uh, right in Kensington, um, yeah. kind of um, over there by the park over there. Um, and so for us, this is a project, a community center, a safe place for kids to go in Philadelphia. And so it's going to be a Wi-Fi cafe. There's going to be tutors. There's going to be mentorship there. It's going to be a church. Um, and so for us, we knew what we were doing in Philly. And it's yeah, still yeah. going on. We, we actually broke ground. So it's exciting to, to be able to do that. Congrats. Um, but in Arizona, when we got traded, it's like, hey, this community, again, is supporting us, showing us the love. How can we reciprocate that? Um, so we partnered with an organization called Athletes Corner, um, mm-hmm. who we had worked with in the past. And so we decided for every touchdown that we scored as a member of the Cardinals, we were going to donate 5,000 meals to the local food banks in Arizona. And so for us, we just feel the love from the communities we've mm-hmm. played in each and every Sunday. Not only Sundays, but Monday through Sunday. Yeah. And I think people always want to focus on Sunday, but during the week, I'll go out to dinner and people will be like, oh, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for how hard you play, blah, 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 blah. 
and we just want to find a way to reciprocate that. Yeah. Um, and so for us, the community aspect has been so hard. Obviously, we partnered with Sleep Number, and they did an amazing job kind of allowing us to kind of match our purpose. Uh, yeah. they, they actually donated $5,000 to the Earth Family Foundation. Um, so it's been a blessing to have them as a partner, as well as all the other partners we have. Yeah, he's a pro. He did the Sleep Number. Bit. I was going to toss it to him. He was already ready for it. That's Zach Ertz, Arizona Cardinals tight end. Zach, thanks so much, man. Thank you, guys. Welcome now. We are in the Spotify Green Room, and of course on the Ringer NFL Show, I'm joined by Ringer NFL host Ryan Shazier and his longtime teammate, uh, Steelers defensive tackle Cam Hayward. Cam, thanks for joining us, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It is Super Bowl week. You are an NFL player. You have to get asked the question, what do you think happens on Sunday? Uh, I hope it ends in a tie. I'm going to pull yeah. the fire alarm <laughs> and you know make sure we don't have to worry about this game. So it was uh, <laughs> the blackout for the Niners-Ravens Super Bowl at halftime. Was that you then? Is that, is that, are those I the wish plans? that was me. Oh, yeah? You know, um, but that didn't work. No, uh, I didn't. They finally got the lights back on. Big swing the other way. <laughs> yeah, they're going to they're gonna figure out a way to finish this game no yeah. matter what. I promise you that. Yeah, I got to talk to the TV proprietors about that one. <laughs> yeah, you got to have a winner. Uh, incredible season, 10 sacks on the year. You've had, what, four All-Pro berths now in the last five years. How have you been able to keep it going so strong in the back half of your career now? Uh, honestly, just trying to take care of my body. Um, find out little things I can do to improve my game. Uh, and, you know, just wipe the slate clean. You know, what you've done last year doesn't mean anything if you don't do it this year. So um, that's my goals for next year, continue to get better. Uh, and what's happened doesn't matter. Well, Cam is, Cam is uh, a very humble guy. Yeah. Cam works his ass off. He's a, <laughs> he, he really works his ass off. Like in the drills, if it's the big man running, he's always the first one. Yeah. He, sometimes he beats some of the smaller dudes. Like he's all he's like he's always running to the ball. Like I remember one time me and Cam got in an argument because I wasn't running to the ball and Cam kicked me out of practice. Oh, yeah? I didn't kick you out of practice. You kicked yourself out of yeah, practice. Yeah, basically kicked myself out of practice. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> no, but it was just more like because I was kind of being an uh, asshole. But it was just like in that situation, I was just like. Cam was like, man, run to the ball, Ryan, or something. And I, I was, nah, like, I'm not, today's not the day. <laughs> and he was like, if you don't want to run to the ball, get off the field. And I was like, all right, get the ball. That's good, right? That's leadership. Hey, all right, yeah. now let's hear it for Ryan. What was the time? What was a good Ryan story that you had watching him come up? Oh, man. Ryan's story, instinctually, uh, man, Ryan's got the best instincts out of anybody when it comes yeah. to football. I remember, you know, two plays back-to-back, -back, you know, and they were like, we got off the field on one and we did, and we were back on the field. Um, the one time, you know, we're always big on everybody doing their job. And Ryan backdoors a play. And I'm like, who the hell just got me doubled? And now I got to deal with, like, everybody coming down on me. Ryan took the gap. He was like, bro, I just got to play off of instincts. So he does it the next time. He makes the play, and I'm like, all right, I got to listen to Ryan now. Ryan knows what he's doing. Right. That's how you prove you can earn your stripes, right? Hey, if yes. it works, it works. Hey, no, if it works, it works. But it's been times Cam heard me check the team into a defense. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, well, in college, all you hear is the band. In, in NFL, right. you know, everybody's like, God damn, Ryan. What? You know, so, yeah. you know. The one thing I'll say about Ryan, there's been the top two instinctual players I've been around are Troy Palomalo and Ryan Shazier. Yeah. Those two guys know how to feel a game and know how to react like no other. Absolutely. And they do that by preparation and game study and just feel the game. If You can't just do that without the other. 
Um, and every time Ryan was out there, I always felt like, man, that dude sees stuff before it's even happening. Yeah, it was incredible to watch Ryan, incredible to watch Troy. I'll always think about Troy jumping snap counts on third yes. and one, on fourth and one. The flying squirrel. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Had the hair. And he would always hop up, he'd cross himself. He's orthodox, I'm orthodox. So I'd always love that. Yeah. See, as a kid, he'd get up and I'll cross myself after I like, nearly took a quarterback's head off. Right? We call that blessing him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Troy Palomar, oh, man. That's awesome. Uh, TJ Watt, defensive yes. player of the year. So Ryan with the instincts, uh, you know, uh, Paul Ma with instincts. What makes Watt so special, man? Year after year, he was getting closer and closer, finally got it. Why this season? Man, uh, TJ's just got a determination about himself. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's on a play and, you know, you think you got him stopped and he's still getting off the block. Um, you know, he will not be denied when it comes to, you know, getting to the quarterback. Uh, the amount of turnovers he generates, um, he's become a complete player. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter run or pass, he's able to cause a turnover, um, and he's able to give your team that jolt. You uh, gotten to talk at all with Terrell Austin yet? Got to meet him, get a little chat, or not at all? Well, T.A., I, I've known for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, he was actually pretty good friends with my mom and my dad, oh, yeah. and so he always brings up those stories That's from awesome. old Pitt. Uh, Does he got young Cam Hayward baby stories, kid stories? A little bit. Oh, we got to get T.A. on the podcast. Every, every, everybody, know, everybody in Pittsburgh has known Cam. Forever, man. It's oh yeah. Like, yeah, I was a little knucklehead back then. <laughs> like his family's from there. Like, like he's so like he has his family there. He plays there. Yeah. Like yeah. down in the school there. It's like <laughs> he has so much like family in Pittsburgh. It's That's crazy, beautiful. Man. Well, tell us what you're doing in the city because obviously you got the Walter Payton Man of the Year nomination, which congrats to you, man. It's right. awesome. I know you're, you're doing a lot of work with Hayward House, which means a lot to your pops. So tell us about what that's like. Yeah, so Hayward House started in 2015. Um, we uh, work with underserved children in both the Pittsburgh and um, Atlanta areas. Uh, we, me and Ryan actually got the partner this year with, um, you know, Grub on the Gridiron, uh, where we got people to donate um, for a dinner we're going to have up at uh, Heinz Field. Uh, but, you know, we've done some crazy, th I mean, cre uh, creative things, um, you know, uh, Craig's Closet uh, in honor of my dad, where we um, get people to donate suits uh, and we dress young men for, you know, job interviews, prom, um, you know, college interviews, um, you know, because my dad used to say, uh, you look good, you, pl you play good. And my dad only had one uh, suit throughout high school and college. So it was something near Dewey's heart. Uh, and one other thing we do is uh, the little libraries. We put them around Pittsburgh, and people are able to donate books and exchange for books uh, and just take them all over the community uh, and give people a chance to read. Well, congratulations on the nomination, man. Incredible stuff. Thank, thank you. Yes, sir. Thank hey, you. Hey, Cam, I want to give you another award. They didn't. They didn't know this. Oh yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, for my foundation, this year we're uh, we're nominating you for uh, a humanitarian award. Oh wow. Yeah. I was not expecting yeah, that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, I, don't think, I don't think I was supposed to tell you yet. But. You're not supposed to tell me, right? You yeah. couldn't wait. Hey, bro. <laughs> I can't wait. It's too nah, nice. Nah, happy nah, moment. No, nah, but it's yeah. just like you know so much great things in the community, bro. And you're such a great guy. I really look up to you and like your family and. Um, I wanted, I was going to tell you eventually anyway, but uh, I think it's the right time to let you know now. Man, so. I, I appreciate that, Ryan. You know, um, you're always going to be my brother. Um, awards, they're great, and, you know, they acknowledge me for some of the stuff I do, but I can't do it without great teammates uh, and great people around me, um, great volunteers, uh, just trying to make a lasting impact in my community. Yeah, you, you definitely do that. You definitely do that, bro. You're 100% a stiller, bro. 
Okay, I'm here with Ryan Shazier, two Steelers, two humanitarians, and me also here for some reason. That's uh, <laughs> and, uh, Spotify Green Room, Ring NFL Show. Cam, thanks so much, man. We appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Right, Max Crosby, Pro Bowl, pass rusher for the Raiders. He's here with Reframe. What's going on, Max? Nothing much. Just doing doing my rounds. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, we're asking the first uh, question, to, same as everybody. Uh, how's this game going to go on Sunday? Um, you know, honestly, I've been kind of back and forth with it. You know, obviously the Bengals, they got, they just got the if factor. They got that swag right now, and they're they're feeling themselves. So I I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go out there and shock the world. Um, but the Rams are just between Aaron Donald and Von Miller and those guys coming off the <laughs> coming up front you know they're gonna they're gonna cause issues so yeah we'll see how how the Bengals can handle that but if, if Aaron Donald and them start eating early it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for them so yeah it'll be what is it, everyone talks about Joe Burrow's I don't even know, know what you want to call it cool factor whatever it is back there when you're going and and going against him and you just did it a couple weeks ago uh what is he like back there and what's different about him than, than other quarterbacks Max? Yeah, you know, he's a he's a young guy, but he, he carries himself like a vet. He doesn't let much get to him. Um, he's he's just a super confident. Um, any big situation, he's he's been he's been in it. He doesn't act like, oh, it's, he's too big for – any moment's too big for him, um, which is rare, you know, at his age. So, yeah, he's he's got all, obviously, the tools. He can make the throws and things like that. But he's just got that, um, that collected vet-type presence to him that you don't see in young guys sure. often. No, man, I mean, like, so – going moving forward I guess like what how do you guys get to you know the Raiders as a team like how do you guys kind of get over the hump in your from your perspective yeah you know I feel like we took a took a huge step this year you know obviously we won 10 games we took Cincinnati down to the final play um it's just you know obviously we it's it there's no rebuild going on you know obviously we have a lot of core pieces um already um it just kind of you know what do they call it? It's not rebuild, but it's basically just a reload. 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 Yeah, like just add more, you know, add more pieces, add more fire to the flame already. So I feel like we got we got a lot of good things going on. Um, we just need to continue to build on what we got going. Now, for you personally, though, so you you took a massive jump just personally. I know that you said you mentioned how much work you put into that. I mean, how fulfilling is it though to see it pay off the way that it did this season? 
Yeah, you know, it was uh, it was incredible. Um, you know, obviously, I try to tell everybody, you know, I've I started my rookie year, came out hot, had a, had a big year and things like that. And, um, you know, that was when I was going through a lot of different stuff off the field and I was my own demons and battles and things like that. So now, you know, being on the other side and taking an even bigger step, um, you know, it just puts things in perspective and makes you be grateful um, for what I have because without the hard work, without the everyday dedication um, to my craft and to my body um, and all those things, um, I wouldn't be able, you know, to be sitting here today. So, you know, it's obviously it's awesome, but I want more and more and more. Um, that's that's all I want. You know, keep keep going in the right trajectory, um, and I want to be, you know, one of the best players to ever do it. Um, that's that's what I want to be. If I don't hit that, um, I know I'm gonna put in all the work to try to get as close to that as possible. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this off season for sure. Can you take me through? I mean, I listen. I think the technical term for it is it was a crazy season for the Raiders. I mean, just sure. from start to finish, I, it, it was just one one thing after another. Um, you guys, as you said, took the Bengals to the last play. Um, there, you know, there's a lot of universes in which you guys would have won that game, um, and that's an amazing feat. And, and, and the way Derek played, the way you played, um, it was an amazing season. I guess the the big picture question is, how, how did that happen? Because I'm I've been in a lot of locker rooms where they fold pretty quickly um, from the slightest distraction, and that never happened with you guys. And I'm wondering if you could take me inside that locker room as to how you guys stayed on track when a lot of teams would have would have uh, uh, folded their cards. Yeah, you know, you got to give a ton of credit to uh, Coach Basaccia. You know, when everything went down and we had to, you know, he stepped in as the coach, um, you know, the whole locker room, that's the whole topic of discussion, what's going to happen, was this, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. So um, just him being able to come in and, and win seven games um, as a head coach. We won t- 10 total um, and just keep everybody together um, through all the craziness. You know, that wasn't the only thing. There was a right. ton of yep. stuff. Just it, it felt like it just never stopped. Um, but just him being able to rally everybody, um, just it's a testament to him and everybody in that locker room. You know, everyone could we could have folded. You know, at, I think it was uh, the Chiefs game. We got blown out in Kansas City. Um, and after that, it, it was like, okay, we either go one way or the other. Yeah. We were six and seven. It was like, it, it almost felt like, all right, this is our, we had to make a decision right there. It's like, all right, we're just going to wrap the season up, call it quits, or we're going to go make a run right now. And we did, you know, and it's just crazy. You know, I give so much credit to those guys, you know, the coaching staff, Marinelli, uh, Basachi and all them, keeping everybody um, in line and keep us motivated because, you know, it's it's not easy to win in this league, and with all the all the crap we went through, it's even more you know of a credit to him because it was not easy to say the least. I want to quickly go through three pass rushers in this game, and I want you to tell me uh, what we should know about those guys. Let's start with Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson, um, yeah, you know, I, I know Trey well. He's a you know he's a really good player. He he can obviously rush the passer very well, um, but he, you know he's he's a he not only has skill, he has a lot of he has a few good moves as far as long arm swipes things like that but his his relentless ability to get to the quarterback is is one of the best in the league you know he doesn't always make it look pretty um but he always finds a way um and you know a guy 15 sacks isn't a fluke you know I give so much credit to him he's he's awesome to watch on film Von Miller Von is uh (laughs) Von is different you know he's a he's a good friend of mine and, you know, this past offseason, being with him during the, the summit and being able to pick his brain and he's just his ability to bend and also use power is, you know, unlike anybody else. Um, obviously, 
you know, he was in Denver and he got hurt and he got traded and things like that. And people were like, oh, is he over the hump? But you've seen what he's done in these last, what, six to eight games. He's been dominant. Um, and if you leave him on an island, um, things will get out of control fast because once he turns that on, it's it's over with. And then Aaron Donald, obviously. Yeah, Aaron Donald, you know, obviously there's, you don't even really have to say anything. The dude, he's, he's probably my favorite player to watch um, in the league. You know, he's one of those guys that you aspire to be like. And I know I play a different position. I play DN, but – I want to, you know, the way I look look at him and watch his film, like I, I aspire to be as that disruptive every single game. Um, and that's, you know, that's what I aspire to be. He doesn't worry about the numbers, doesn't worry about that. If you play the game the right way, um, you'll get your recognition, and that's kind of something I banked on. That's something I, you know, took from him. Just obviously he has the numbers and things like that. And, I've, you know, obviously I've started to get numbers and things like that. But if you just watch the way he plays um, – Every down, it's just like the dude is just wrecking, wrecking people. And uh, he's definitely inspiring to watch. On a personal level for you, man, because you mentioned having perspective. And you mentioned, like, you know, some of the demons that you've been able to overcome. How much did going through what you went through on a personal level help you, you know, have the year that you did with the Raiders through everything that we were just yeah, talking about? You know, uh, it's, you know, my life, I've had a lot of. A lot of ups and downs, a lot of chaos, um, but I've always managed to some somewhat keep my head above water, um, and that's kind of with this situation. I know, obviously, my biggest battle and hardest battle I've ever been through is with my addiction, and you know, if I could get over that, this what happened this year was like I, this is just another, you know, it's another challenge. Um, that's kind of how I look at it nowadays. I used to look at it as a burden, or you know, something as a, in a negative way, but it was more of an opportunity um, to step up as a leader, um, step up as an example. Um, no matter what happens, you know, I'm going to show up every single day and be the same guy. Um, outwork as many people as I can um, and be an example and just show everybody that um, no matter what's going on, you know, the work comes first. And that's, a, that's something I, I truly believe in. Um, and, and, and it's what I believe, you know, got me, you know, to do the things I did this year. Tell us what you're doing with uh, Reframe. Yeah, so Reframe, you know, they're, a, they're the number one sobriety app in the world. You know, they do, a, do an incredible job. You know, for people like me, it gives us a, a community um, of people, um, and it gives you tools to, you know, stay sober or, uh, you know, try to limit your, your habits um, in that way. So people trying to get sober. So, yeah, you know, they do an incredible job. They, uh, they, they bring people together, and it's just a platform and like a safe haven in a way. Uh, where you can help people out with sobriety and just, you know, try to go on that journey just like myself. Max Crosby, thanks for coming on the Ring NFL Show, man. All right, Kayvon Thibodeau, Oregon star, one of the best prospects in the upcoming draft. He's here with Ready Refresh and Arrowhead Water. Kayvon, what's going on, man? Nothing much, man. I'm, I'm here in L.A., downtown. I'm, just, I'm blessed to just be a part of this whole, you know, radio row and, and everything that, that comes with it. Awesome. Where are you in the draft process right now? What's your day-to-day -day like right now? I mean, I'm training like crazy. I'm, I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm working on all the combine drills. I'm working on, you know, I'm talking to GMs. I'm talking to coaches, talking to scouts. Um, and, yeah, I'm just kind of like cultivating who I'm going to be, you know, uh, in the future. Yeah, where are you training right now, Kayvon? I'm training in Santa Monica uh, with Athletic Game. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's a nice facility out there. It's pretty pretty. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, with the amount that you were doing for the defense last year with Oregon, right, where you're standing up, you're hand in the dirt, you're dropping into coverage, you rush from the interior, rush from the outside, what is it you're trying to emphasize? Is it that versatility, or are you trying to show I have this one exact role and I can do it really, really well at the NFL level? 
Well, as far as as far as what, like, as what do you mean, like in my training or? Yeah, and well, and when you talk to NFL teams, are they saying like, oh, we want to see you as a three-four outside backer? We want to see you stand up. We want to see you drop in the zone. Or are they saying like, hey, want to see your hand in the dirt? We want to see you go up against a tackle. What are they looking at? Well, I mean, they want to see what I can do. You know, when, when guys are drafted at, at, in the high, you know, top five, they're, they're guys who they need. To, to play every, all downs, you know, you know, one through four. So right. for me, they want to see me set an edge. They want to see me drop in coverage. They literally want to see me. I'm, I'm like, I'm like MacGyver. They want to see, you know, how they can utilize right. me in every way. Do you like playing from the inside? Like, do you like to be able to rush against like a, a guard? Well, you know, you know, you know, I'm opposite. It's like Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald plays the inside, and it's like once, once you get, you know, double team, triple team as much, you got to learn how to play from the outside, from the left, from the right. So for me. It was like once teams started chipping me and, and, and stopping me, you know, doing everything they could from the outside, then it's like, okay, let's switch it up and see what he can do from the inside. So just being able to have those moves and, and basically just create value for yourself. Absolutely. So I've seen that you're a big fan of chess. How would you say that you incorporate that chess game into your pass rush plan, both from the inside and the and the outside? Well, I'm very aggressive, you know, in chess – in chess, I'm very aggressive as well. So, like, I get my queen out there. I like to make moves. I like to put my opponent under pressure, right? Because when you're under pressure, that's when you make mistakes. And it's the same with football. You know, you put an offensive tackle under pressure. You hit him with a couple moves, and, and you start think, thinking moves ahead, right? So, if I do this, this move is going to open up. And, you know, you start to just kind of dissect the game and, and kind of look. You, you, I start to think about the fourth quarter from the beginning of the game. So, I know, like, okay, I'm going to do this in the beginning, and by the fourth quarter, this is the moves I'm going to bring out. Yeah. Do you have an example of a game in which you feel like you, you accomplished that well, where early in the, in the game, you know, you're setting up speed rush, setting up speed rush, setting up speed rush, and then fourth quarter, key down, you're inside, you're on the counter, and you get that win. Did that well, happen for you? Well, a good one A good one was uh, Washington State and UCLA. Yeah. You know, we literally, like, I hit, a, I hit a move that kind of went viral. It was a flash dip, and we talked about it in the game because there was a lot of – we were doing a lot of power. So literally, they were sitting back, sitting back, sitting back, and we and we, as a, as a defense, I like to talk to my team, and we always converse on what we see, you know, what's out there. So, you know, knowing that they they were they were waiting, they were anchoring down, waiting for us to bull rush and us to use our power. That's when I was able to come with the flash dip, and and he thought I was gonna come power, and he you know, he lunged at me, and I just dipped right under it, and I got past. That it. was that left tackle against UCLA, right, where you dropped the shoulder, you got underneath him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. No, that yes. was when yes. I had- that, that was that move. That move was set up literally yeah. the whole that, I think that move was more that was around like halftime, you know, second or third quarter. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you can kind of get the rhythm faster. But that was a move that was on it. Like we literally talked about, it. I told him, this series I'm gonna go do it. And it was it was great. Right. How have you developed that? Like in terms of like, has there been a coach at Oregon? Was there a, a guy who was ahead of you when you were a freshman? Kind of where did you get those habits? Where did you get that vision, that that instinct? Who helped develop that for you? Well, it's, I, I think, you know, I think it's just playing the game. The game yeah. helps you develop it. You know, once you're really out there, like, it's like a boxer. Even though, even though you know, they have a coach, they have this guy. When you're in the ring, it's only you and him, you know. So no matter what nobody else is telling you, you have to feel it for yourself, you know. So, like, even, even and it's not just me. So, like, just say, you know, there are younger guys that when we all talk, you know, we all, they, right. they've heard the exact same things that I've heard, but it's just being able to actually execute them on the field. Right. And that's where I feel like my last year, I was able to execute these moves, even though, you know, a lot of us already knew, you know, we talk about what moves we're going to do, but, you know, being able to translate it. Uh, who's the young guy we should watch out for on Oregon then? Who's who's the guy who's who's who he's giving you notes? He's talking about who he's going to do. And you're like, oh, this guy gets it. Brandon Dorless. Yeah. Brandon Dorless. He's he's my right hand. Adrian Jackson, Noah Sewell, um, um, Brian Addison. They don't do 
everybody I'm naming doesn't play defensive line, but they're all just guys on the defense that, that you definitely have to watch. Speaking of Sewell, what was it how how important was it to go up against Penny Sewell in your college career? Like what how did that prepare? I mean, you it really shows, you know, like one thing I, I learned, I was talking to NFL guys, and you know, they're like a lot of people think the game is different, the game is faster. It's not that. It's just people are playing harder. That's all it is, right? You, you think about high school ball, there's only about two guys playing to the end of the whistle, right? You think about college ball, you got about six or seven guys playing to the end of the whistle. In the NFL, all 11 guys are playing to the whistle. So it's like, it's that competitive. And Panay Sewell plays to the end of the whistle 100% of the time. So he really gave me that edge as a young guy, as a backup, that I need to play with that fire and that and that will to, to, to be relentless. Yeah, I saw an interview that said you're big on like striking fear into the heart of your opponent. Do you have a method for doing that? It's the first play. It's the first play. And I learned that. That was the first thing I learned about football. On the first play, you hit them in their mouth so that they know for the rest of the game it's about to be a long game. I like that. That's a lot of fun. Uh, Kayvon, you have a lot going well for you on the football field, but you're really focused on what goes on for you off of the football field. And I understand you have a 30-year plan. And I would, I would like to have a 30-year plan. I have like a 30-hour plan max. So I'm looking for some help, some advice. Uh, what is the 30-year plan? Give me, give me the bare bones of it. What, what Map the next 30 years out for me. Well, this is the thing, right? And this is one thing we talk about. Most movies and most books are written with the end first, right? So when you have, if you can, if you can sit down and, you know, you say you only have a 30-hour plan. If you can sit down and write down, what do you want the end of your life to be about? You know, and that's what I had to realize that. Me, I went. I told myself when I was really young. I said, I think I was about in seventh grade. I said, I don't know what what it's going to be for, but I want to go down in history. And this was before I was the number one. I was ranked the number one player in the country out of high, out of high school. And it was in about seventh grade. And I said, I want to be. I want to go down in history, right? I don't know what for. I, I think I got it from Bonnie and Clyde because they. I'm like they went down in history from Robin Banks, and I had to figure out what it was going to be. And you know, I feel like my calling is teaching. So I feel like my calling is going to be educating underprivileged youth because that's who I was. I was a kid who didn't have a lot of opportunity, didn't have a lot of resources, but there were people in my life and different mentors and different people who who came in and, and, and helped me. They saw they saw uh, greatness within me, you know, that I didn't see in myself. So now if I could if I could kind of cultivate that in other guys and other other uh, young kids you know, the, the world would be a better place. I saw that you reacted the other day to some criticism that you're not playing with a lot of fire. I've seen the exact opposite in some scouting reports. So um, how weird is it and how surreal is it to kind of read some of these scouting reports, read some of these reviews that are happening um, in this pre-draft run-up? Like, how is it frustrating or do you just uh, well, try and kind of like I, The only thing it? that I, I'm, you know, lost in and I don't really understand is like people use words like fire, right? And it's like uh, fire is compared to what's in your heart. You know, so it's like as a man, I can't I can't tell you what your fire is for your job. I don't I, I can't describe to the world what your passion is. So it's like to professionally type that or write it or say it. I don't know how it's deemed credible because there's no way that anyone can tell what someone else's fire or desire or drive is. But um, obviously, I understand that, you know, everyone has a job to do. Everyone, you know, wants their their write-up or their article or their show to be as big as possible and the way to do that is to create controversy so i i don't i don't feel any type of way about it. i acknowledge it and i move on but for me i feel like you know god is god has 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 put my life on this path for a reason and i feel like you know there are going to be a lot of distractions but as long as i can stay disciplined and stay on you know the the, the yellow brick road 
you know, I'll be to the promised land eventually. Kayvon, uh, Danny over there who just asked you that question is our draft expert, and he ranked you number one on his big board. I wanted to follow up here because he'd asked about scouting reports, and he compared you to Khalil Mack and a T-Rex in an F-14. What do you think about that scouting report? Um, I feel like, it, you know, it's another opinion. You know, I, I thank him for, for, for believing in me, but, you know, at the end of the day, I got to believe in myself for any of it to be true. You know, so as long as I just keep working and I, and I, and I stay, stay on course of, of what my end goal is and how I want my life to be, then, then everything will work, work itself out. So you've got like this, uh, this end goal, this drive, and have this long-term purpose. Like it's, it's clearly important to you, and it's been important to you for a while. I'm curious, what, what was like the most difficult part of that? When was an opportunity, uh, a place where that became tough? Where was a, a, a sacrifice that you had to make? High school, college, where you wanted to do something short-term, but you knew long-term it wasn't part of the plan, so you had to give that up. Because that sounds like it's such a good plan, it's such a beautiful plan, and people love to hear about it. But I don't think people realize the work it takes on the daily to commit to something like that. So I'm curious, what what have been things you've had to give up to execute on that long-term idea? So you know, I, I went to Dorsey High School, and uh, my mom. My mom really felt that, you know, I was really, I was wise beyond my years. And uh, the thing about public school is that there are not a lot of resources. And, and the problem with the public school system is that it is, um, or not, it is the money that goes into the public school uh, is the taxes from the, from the income in that area, right? So if you are in a, a poverty-ridden area, the, the education is going to be poverty-ridden as well, right? So for me, um, there wasn't a lot of resources. There wasn't a lot of access where I was. And my mom felt like if I was able to, you know, use what I had and use, use the, the people in my life to that, that believed in me and I, and I were to, you know, transfer schools and I ended up going to Oaks Christian and I graduated from a private school. It, it not only did it get me to college, but it helped me graduate college and it helped me kind of, it broadened my spectrum of, of who, who I wanted to be and who I am. So now, now, look, looking forward, I can say, you know, without that, I probably wouldn't be here today, right? So now, if putting that in, in future terms, there are a lot of kids who, who lack opportunity and lack resources, and it's not their fault. There's nothing they can do about it. It's just the way that, it's the, way that the, the scope of things have been laid. So for me, if I, if I can be a guy who, who kind of can change that and for the better and, and give kids the opportunity where it's like, I think God, God gave me the talent to play football, to show other people that this is my talent, you know, and even though you believe in me, you have your own path and you have your own talents that, that you can, you know, embellish in your own. Yeah. Life. I do want to ask though, cause I, I know like going to Oregon was big for you. Getting your degree was big for you. I know you're interested in broadcast journalism. We are previewing the Super Bowl. We are looking forward to that game. So flex the journalism props for me real quick. What, are, what's the big narrative? What's the game going to be like? What are you looking for? What's the storyline? Well, first, you know, there's a couple of things I'm looking for. I, I'm gonna be biased, and and now and now we're just talking about, you know, we're talking strictly football. I'm I'm giving you my not Kayvon Thibodeau perspective, but I'm giving you my yes. an, analyzing of football. That's what I want, baby. I am a, I am a Rams fan. Um, you know, I, I feel like the Rams have put together a, a crazy collective of superstars. Um, I feel like uh, Von Miller, he wants, he's hungry for another contract. He's hungry to stay on that team. I feel like he's happy. I feel like he's going to have a great game. Aaron Donald, I know he, I feel like he's kind of stepped into a new light and that he has guys, he can, he's not the only guy, right? And I'm not comparing right. myself to Aaron Donald, but it, it, it's, it's a different mindset when you know that a team can't only focus on you and you can actually be you. So, you know, I'll compare I, you to Aaron Donald. Aaron you Donald remind me of Aaron Donald. 
I look at Aaron Donald to strive. I look at Von Miller to strive. Leonard Floyd. We, we got one of our Oregon, Oregon Ducks up there, uh, Justin Hollins. He, I know he's going to get in. And he's going to do his thing. Then, you know, on the back end, Jalen Ramsey, obviously. Um, I feel like uh, Odell Beckham. I feel like Eli Apple cannot hang with Cooper Cup or Odell Beckham. I'm waiting to see uh, another catch. I know I feel like Odell's probably going to have, you know, a breakout game. Obviously, Cooper Cup is going to do what he does. Um my my only concern is will, will Matthew Stafford uh, uh, keep the game plan and stay on course? Can right. he, can he lead the team to a Super Bowl? Because we remember the last Super Bowl the Rams were where they only scored what was it three points or something, and that yeah. was that was terrible. We hated we all hated watching it, and I hope that doesn't happen again. But you know, right now I'm going Rams, and if I had a score prediction, I would say. Rams by 17. Uh, I want to get you out of here uh, before we ask what you're doing with Ready Refresh on a selfish question. What do I need to expect from Mario Cristobal? He is going to change that program, right? The, the thing about a lot of programs and the reason that programs don't succeed is by is because of culture and, and culture alone. And when I tell you that he is a leader of culture and a leader of men and he is a player's coach, he's going to get those guys. It's going to turn into an army. And they're going to be disciplined and they're going to be ready to fight. And and I wouldn't be surprised if within the next five years that that Miami's playing, you know, for the for for the big title. You've made me a very happy man. Tell me what you're doing with Ready Refresh. Obviously, uh, there's a there's a there's a in conjunction with Ready Refresh and Arrowhead. Um, Arrowhead's been around years, and you know, being an LA kid, I, me, you know, I'm also an athlete, so having Healthy Fresh is that you know avenue where I don't even have to leave my house. You know, they deliver the healthy hydration to me wherever I am. So, you know, I love it. You know, whether I'm working out, whether I'm at the gym, whether I'm water delivered directly to me, and it's 100% spring water, no additives, none, no, no mineral, anything added, and, and, and it's it's great for your body and it's great for your mind. Kevin Thibodeau, thanks for coming on the Ring NFL Show. All right, DK Metcalf, Seahawks receiver. He's here with Gatorade. DK, what's going on, man? Uh, not much. How are y'all? Doing well. Doing well. Um, just getting through a busy week. This is going to be fun. Um, I want to start here. Uh, you've played against this Rams defense, and we want to, you know, everyone we're talking to at, at, at this week, we want to just sort of get get an NFL viewpoint of what we're about to see on Sunday. You've played against this Rams defense. What makes them special? Um, I would say their variety and how they can mix up their coverages and looks. Um, and, and plus, they have so many weapons on defense to where it's, you know, you can't just, um, you know, pinpoint one person because you got to worry about the whole D-line. Um, you know, the linebackers are, are very good and, you know, their, their back half is, is very good as well. So uh, they have a very experienced defense and, and I think they're going to give the Bengals problems. But on the flip side of things, the Bengals are, you know, probably a young team, but didn't a lot of people expect them to be here. So I think it's going to be a good game, uh, you know, Sunday. They're, they're not going down easy out, in my opinion. You played against Burrow in one of his first LSU games. Did you see this coming? Because there was a Jamar Chase to uh, Joe Burrow touchdown in that game, but you weren't watching that saying this is going to be special in the NFL in a couple of years, were you? No, I was focused on the DBs because they had, they, they had Greedy Williams and Kevin Tolliver over, over – uh, that that same amount uh i mean that same year with joe burrow i mean obviously um he's impressed everybody i mean just the fact that you know it's not even two years he, he changed the culture around when you watch him what stands out uh his swagger and his confidence is very uh you know apparent on film and you know how he carries himself i, I told uh you know somebody earlier i'm a big fan of you know his his play style and just the way that he carries himself on and off the field obviously this season uh not 
one of the the best Seahawks uh, seasons of the last couple of years. Um, can you sort of diagnose what went wrong and what needs to get better in the next couple of months until until uh, mini camps and training camps start? DK. Yeah, that's above my pay grade. Um, you know, I came out healthy. <laughs> you know, a lot of my teammates came out healthy, and you know, um, you know, our mentals are, are doing great. So I think uh, you know that's a successful uh, season in my book. DK, you've had success as a as a young receiver. Jamar Chase has obviously been so impactful for Cincinnati this year. And sometimes it seems like, you know, it's a hard position to learn at the NFL level right when you come in. But what do you think are the keys to having that early success playing receiver when you first start to get your footing in the league? Um, I mean, it helps when you have a quarterback that you've known for, you know, three years prior, um, you know, to join in the league. So, I mean, I, I guarantee as soon as Jamar Chase got drafted by the Bengals, him and Joe Burrow were working out and texting and talking, you know, about, you know, what they're going to do in the future. And, you know, they manifested it and it came to pass. So um, confidence, I would say, is a big thing. Um, you have to be smart and know your playbook and you got you just got to have balls and uh, great ball skills uh, to play the position. When you have a connection with a with a quarterback where it, kind of the, the, the Burrow Chase connection where, you know, Chase said to me one time that sometimes literally in the huddle will just say, go go down there and catch it. Um, where does that show up? I mean, what, can, can, when you're watching that and you're saying, wow, these guys have a special connection. Um, what do you notice as an NFL receiver? Um, that's all the trust. Um, you see it with Kyler and DeAndre, me and Russ. Russ. Russ and Tyler, it's, it's just all trust. And, uh, you know, the practice reps that you get during the week um, and the film study that you do during the week, it all just comes to life on Sunday. How do you – I know this is a, a tricky question because every quarterback is different. I remember being in Green Bay a couple of years ago and Aaron Rodgers would, would throw these kind of crazy practice passes because he wanted to see who he could trust. And if you couldn't come down with the Hail Mary or whatever, he would kind of make a, a, a mental note of it. Um, how did you gain Russell's trust and how did he go? How does, how does Russell go about figuring out, okay, a receiver can catch this pass and kind of the same thing we're talking about with, with the connection. Myself. Um, I'm not, I'm not taking any, any BS or, you know, I'm just going to come in and work every day and, you know, just be myself and, I'm not trying to change, you know, who I am just to, you know, make Russ happy. He was either going li- to like me or not. And, you know, it was just so, uh, it just so happened that, you know, our work ethics clashed and, uh, you know, just he trusted me from the get-go. And, you know, my, I remember our first conversation in the locker room and, you know, he sat me down and, and just told me that, uh, you know, in this league, in this world, you know, you're going to have to leave some people behind and you're going to have to work your butt off to get what you want. You know, uh, you know, those were words that stuck with me throughout my whole career, still stick with me today. And, um, you know, that that's one thing that he told me and uh, and believed in me from the from the get go. Obviously, around now is when you kind of figure out what you're going to work on in the offseason, any special traits, any uh, any drills or, hey, I really want to get better at this. Have you kind of zeroed in on anything where you're saying, OK, this is for DK Metcalf 2022. It's going to be this um, after the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'll start to hone in. But right now I'm just trying to detox and yeah. you know detach from football right now how do you do that i'm not even watching the super bowl so oh, that's cool. how that's how i start what are you yeah. when are we gonna, what are you gonna be doing on sunday anything but watching the super bowl so i'll probably be watching euphoria playing video <laughs> games or play video games are you watching euphoria yeah i'm kind of behind right now okay all right i don't want no spoilers but do you have you liked season two uh, see, I'm on season two, episode three. Uh, well, I 40, I'm 40 minutes in episode three, so okay, it gets kind of crazy. Yeah, I've, I've been seeing that. <laughs> Kevin doesn't watch you for it. I don't watch like, you for it. I don't want to be good. I, I'll, I'll catch up. 
Um, what else, DK, are you watching or listening to or, or playing that that, uh, that really intrigues you right now? Yo, Gotti came out with a new album. Yeah. Uh, you know, I started listening to a lot of old Chief Keef. So a lot of his, a lot of his old songs. I've been been doing a lot of chilling. Nice. Amazing. So if you're not going to watch the Super Bowl, will you watch the Super Bowl halftime show at some point? No. Mm, okay. Yeah, Dre, I'm sorry. Snoop, I'm, I'm, it's going to be not, good stuff. I'm, I'm not... I'm not a good person to ask uh, Super Bowl questions. You know, I get that. But tell us what we're doing with Gatorade. Well, I'm with Gatorade because we both believe all kids deserve a chance to play sports. Um, but we know the opportunities aren't as equal, um, you know, in every area of the world. So, um, you know, Gatorade and Woodcraft Rangers um, partnered together with a grant to pay for a field, um, you know, all the way up until 2024 so kids can come here and, you know, get active and play and, you know, just, just compete amongst each other. You can make up. Thanks for coming on the Ringer NFL show, man. Yes, sir. Thank y'all. Have fun on Radio Row. Thank you to Isaiah Blakely, Chris Sutton, Arjuna Ramkapal for additional production supervision, all the players, all the hosts. This has been a wonderful year. We have a Super Bowl pod coming up after the game on Sunday, and then it's a bunch of offseason stuff. This has been the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network.